You are listening to The Gateway Church, located in Ferrisburg, Michigan. You can learn more about us by visiting thegateway.church or like and follow us on Facebook, where you can watch full services, keep up with all that is going on, and get connected. We have started this uh, series on the Gospel of Mark. We are committed to expository preaching here, which means that we go line by line and we take God's word, it's the power, it's the topic at hand. And what's crazy is you cannot avoid hard topics. You can't just pick your favorite verses when you're expository preaching. And today's a great example because today we're going to talk about demons. Now, lock the doors, nobody leaving, all right? We, but we're going to talk about demons, and we're going to uh, get there. But so far, as, as we've uh, started our series on the Gospel of Mark, we've learned that the Gospel of Mark is simple. It's a simple gospel. It's fast-paced. It's a story about Jesus. Mark is writing the story, but he's writing it from Peter's perspective. We know that it was written to a group of Roman believers who were oppressed under the thumb of the Roman government. And it's interesting, they were under the authority of of Rome, and today we're talking about authority, just to give you a little spoiler alert. Last week, we see Jesus starting his ministry after 40 days in the wilderness, and he goes after a few recruits, some young men, teenagers, 15, 16, 17-year-olds, four in particular last week, James and John and Simon and Andrew. These were fishermen. And what we learned last week is that Jesus said, and does today as well, say, follow me. Jesus says this to each and every one of us, follow me. And when we decide to follow the Lord, he transforms our lives. He's in the transforming business. Now today, this week, this this story uh, continues about the gospel of Mark. Mark is writing about something that happened decades previous. And Mark remembered one in particular day that he would never, ever forget. And I was thinking about it. There was a day like that when I was a teenager. I turned 16, July 9th. And two weeks after my 16th birthday, I had a a car that I had bought for $525. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And uh, about two weeks after, I was on my way to pick up my sister from a volleyball uh, tournament, not a tournament, but like a volleyball camp. And it was raining, and I had used my, uh, my birthday money to put a stereo in my car, and it didn't even have a CD player. It was a cassette, baby. And, uh, but I was playing with that. It was raining. And I remember that day, I'll never forget it, I caused a three-car pileup. I hit a Ford Probe that was almost brand new, a beautiful little sports car, and then the car in front of her, I sandwiched this Ford Probe. And I thought to myself, my Dad is going to kill me. <laughs> the reason I was probably thinking about this, my son turns 16 next Saturday. And so um, he's a great driver, so you have nothing to worry about. But uh, I don't know. I was thinking about that. It was a day that I could, I will never forget. I was just wondering how many of you have had days where you will always remember. Let's, let's just, for example, let's uh, participate together here. Uh, how many of you remember 
uh, 9-11, September 11th, 2001. Just raise your hand. Okay. Uh, if you were alive in, you know, over the age of four, you probably remember that day. Let's go back a few years before that. Is there anyone here that remembers when the Berlin Wall fell in 1989? I remember that too. I, at that time, I had no idea what was really happening, but I remember that it was a big deal. Let's go back a few more years. Let's see if we can catch anybody here. Anybody remember D-Day, June 6, 1944? No one, no one remembers that? Man, you ruined my illustration. I was going to go all the way back to 1912, the sinking of the Titanic. <laughs> Forget it. We all remember certain days, though, right? They stick in our mind. And you think about it. These are things that happen, you know, from the, uh, from the news or things that may happen, you know, for a country or a city or different things like that. But we also remember personal days as well. Maybe you remember the day your parents split up and your dad left. Or maybe you remember the day your grandparents maybe passed. I remember when my grandma died. I remember her funeral. I, it was the most unusual thing. There was so much joy at my Grandma Miller's funeral. We went over from Detroit over to Windsor, and I remember like this worship service, and I thought, wait, I thought we were at a funeral, and, uh, but we were just acknowledging that my grandma had lived a godly life, and I remember that. I was thinking we also will remember tragedy different times in our lives. My sister, uh, my older sister, when she was in high school, she lost a friend in a car accident. And she will never, we'll never forget that day when we got that call. For some families, it's suicide that it becomes real. And you'll never forget when a family member or someone close to you took their own life. For others, it's a loss of a job. You remember losing your job or getting thrown out of school or the day you were arrested. The point is, we all remember these big days. And today's story is one of those days that Mark the gospel he wrote, he's writing, he would never forget this day. As we're getting to understand the gospel of Mark in a better way over these first few weeks, we understand that the first eight chapters of Mark have to do with who Jesus is. That's the focus. And today, verses 21 through 28 that we're going to kind of tackle here in a second, it establishes who is in control, who's in authority. And as we read today, and I want you to grab your copy of God's Word here and follow along with me in just a second, we're going to see, number one, who is Jesus? And the answer, it's described that Jesus is the Holy One of God. And then he'll also answer, where did he come from? You'll see it's Jesus of Nazareth. But the key for us today is his authority. At the beginning of this verse, these verses, and then at the very end, almost like bookends to this story, we will see that Jesus has all authority. Jesus is in control. And this morning, we are going to get our mind around that fact. And we're, let's look at it. On page 10 in your uh, copy of God's Word that we've been giving out, if you don't have one of these yet, they're at the Connection Center. You can grab one and track with us each week. But look what it says uh, in chapter 1, verse 21. It says, and they went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. That's Jesus. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority. You might want to circle that word, okay? I did in my, my copy here. 
and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out in a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, What is this? A new teaching and with authority? He commands even the evil spirits, and they obey him. And at the once, he, his fame spread everywhere throughout the surrounding regions of Galilee. Lord, I pray that you would help us in these few verses to just see that you're in control. You have been, you always will be. Pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. This is not the first interaction or the first miracle that Mark saw, but as Mark is writing the gospel, he starts with this miracle because it was a day he never forgot. He records it down. And the point here, and what we're going to try to drive home, is that Jesus has all authority. You need to know that. Even over unclean spirits. Even over demons. And there is definitely uh, the devil's influence. And sometimes it's a possession. Sometimes it's an oppression. Sometimes it's an obsession. But any way you look at it, when the devil is influencing... I want you to know, just in case we don't make it to the end or you got to go for some reason, I want you to know that Jesus is greater. But let's be clear about demons as well, because the Bible talks about them. Unclean spirits, demons. When we look at this, we, we see it in the Gospel of Mark's about half the time, uh, it's described as unclean spirits. Other times, it's just demon, demon activity. And the origin of this, where do demons come from? They started off, I, I don't know if you knew this or not, as holy angels. And through pride and rebellion, they, a portion of these angels became evil following their leader, Lucifer, who we call Satan, right? Or the devil. How many have ever heard of the fallen angels, right? Not Charlie's angels, the fallen angels, right? The fallen angels, they are demons. And about a third of them, in rebellion, they were cast out of heaven. Now you say, how many does that represent? I did some digging and some searching, and people uh, have different ideas. Some scholars believe that there are millions of demons and one commentator gave the qualities of these demons, and I thought it was interesting. They are eternal creatures. They cannot be redeemed. They will not repent, and they will be forever evil and wicked. That's what a demon is. What do they do? Well, they operate to oppose God and to achieve Satan's purposes. And the truth is, as the way I see it, is that much of the world's system is controlled or oppressed by demonic activity. And we don't have to be afraid of this. We're going to talk about that. But when you talk about unclean spirits or demons, they're real. They're personal. They're active. And it's 
flat-out evil. In fact, I believe that every person that has not accepted Jesus as their personal Savior, so you have not been born again, there is a work in an unbeliever's life, someone not saved, where there is demonic activity. The devil is trying to keep you from accepting Jesus as your personal Savior. And that's part of the Satan's strategy. If he can get you to think, well, I don't believe in demons, or you walk out of here and, um, and maybe you, you share the story you know, this week and you say, hey, we talked about demons in church. Do you believe in demons? And someone's like, no, I don't even believe in demons. Well, if that's the case, Satan is winning. That's part of his strategy that, that people would not discover him, although he's there. The Bible describes demonic activity as being seen as an angel of light. In other words, it's sneaky and it's subtle and it's it's seen in compromise and where it's seen where you would come alongside someone and start to question Scripture and God's authority. And the interesting thing and maybe the scary thing is that Satan is active in the lives of ordinary people. And he messes with our minds mentally. He messes with our spirits spiritually. He messes with us even physically. You look at the current events, the hot topics uh, where we see you know, just sin abundant, things like human trafficking. That is the result of demonic activity. Sex slaves, girls being sold, the abortion issue, is just critical to understand that the root of that is Satan himself. And as you do a deep dive and to look into, you know, how are these demons manifested? How, how are, uh, what is someone that is demonized? What do they look like? Or what, what kind of things happen when, that, when that's the reality? And you look in Scripture, sometimes it would cause people to be mute where they couldn't speak. Other times, those that were demonized were blinded. Others had disabilities. Some had epilepsy, according to Scripture. And get this, as I was studying, some had a mental insanity. Others had self-harm and cutting. Hot topics today. Suicide, where someone was taking their lives because of demonic activity in their lives, according to Scripture, and even taking the life of someone else, murder. And I think, man, Satan hasn't evolved all that much. He's attacking us in our culture in a lot of the same ways as we see in Scripture. He's looking for ways to mess with all of us, and it's subtle. And the encouragement in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, is that we should not give the devil even a foothold. But when you study that scripture in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, just turn there for a second, and I want you to see something here. Because some people would say, oh, you know, you know, uh, we, you know, well, let me, just, let me just go there. Verse 25. Therefore, uh, each one of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor. Uh, for we are all members of one body. And then here's the key. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. And so you connect anger, which, you know, for some, you're saying, ah, it's not that big of a deal. I get upset sometimes. According to Scripture, we can't even let anger carry over into the night hours until the next day. We need to deal with it straight up. Why? 
Because if we don't, the enemy can come in in subtle ways and get a foothold. Demonic activity even in our lives. You say, man, that's scary. I say, no way. Because we are going to learn today that Jesus has all authority. Do you believe that? We're going to show you how that it comes to be. Let's go back to Mark's memorable day, the day that he would never forget. And as we read in Mark chapter 1, uh, verse 21 and 22, we see the first thing is that Jesus and his teaching had authority. Everyone say authority. Look at it. It says, And they went to Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, not as the scribes. A synagogue in that time, in that day and age, was represented. If you had ten Jewish men that would gather together, they would consider that a synagogue. They could meet in someone's home or in another place, uh, another building, but ten groups together. And in Capernaum, it's quite likely that they would not have had their own rabbi. Uh, It's kind of a proven teacher. And so it was probably led by a lay person or scribes, especially uh, according to Mark's gospel here, saying that Jesus' teaching was different from the scribes. And we'll talk about that in a second. But Jesus, his reputation had preceded him. He was already healing and doing miracles, and he was recognized, and because of that, they would have given him the opportunity on the, on the Sabbath, in Capernaum, in the synagogue, to speak. They understood who Jesus was. They could kind of sense that he was a, a spiritual man. In Jesus' teaching, we don't know what he was saying that day, but we do know the response of the people that day. In verse 22, it says that they were astonished. In verse 27, it says that they were, say it with me, amazed. Jesus' teaching went beyond the physical. It went beyond the mental. His words pierced their heart. His words were spiritual. Commentators talk about a spiritual jurisdiction, kind of a technical word for having authority, like in a court of law. And the scribes and the Pharisees spoke with authority in, in, a, in a kind of a same way, but, but they spoke on the authority of others. They would say, just like Moses used to say, or just like the rabbi so-and-so would say, or just like the prophets used to say. But Jesus steps on the scene, and you got to get this. A great example is Matthew 5, 6, and 7, the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus steps in, and he begins to teach. And he says, you've heard it said. And then he would say, but I say. He took authority, and he said, look, there's something different. And they, he blew their minds. The greatest speaker who ever lived. He had an understanding of Scripture like no other. Clarity like no other. He had a command of the language. Jesus' teaching was as clear as it could get, and he spoke with authority. And it left the people asking, what does this mean? What does this mean? 
Let's continue in the story. In verse 23, he goes on. It says, and immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit. Pause there for a second. It could be a demon. Uh, it, it, it is it's the same thing as a demon. Uh, Mark, half the time, and depending on what version of the Bible you're reading, it may say that he was possessed by a demon. Uh, and, and commentators that I was reading, uh, uh, for some reason, many believe that uh, this was from a sexual nature, uh, had a demon that was had a control, and he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? And look what he says, have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, the demon, convulsed him and cried out in a loud voice, Come out of him. Now you see why Mark never forgot that day. I mean, this was a day that was surprising to everyone on the scene. A demonized man describing who Jesus is, where he comes from. He's convulsing. He's crying out. And what does he cry out? He says, have you come to destroy us? There's this fear and it's interesting. The demon is speaking through this man, and the demon responds to Jesus' authority. See, the people, it says that they were amazed, they were astonished, but the demons, they knew who Jesus was, and they responded in fear and with trembling and with hatred. You see the difference? You say, well, what was the difference? Well, the people at that point did not realize who Jesus was. You say, well, does that happen when we understand who Jesus is? You know, is there a fear or, a, you know, a terrified? Well, in Luke chapter 5, there's a story. Um, you can turn there with me. Luke chapter 5, this is Jesus calling his first disciples. And these are fishermen out on the sea, and they've been fishing all night. Simon Peter's there. And, uh, and Jesus says, hey, put out into the deep water and let the nets down and, uh, for a catch. And Simon Peter says, look, we've been, we've been fishing all night. He's saying, look, uh, we, you know, there's no fish out here. They're not biting. And plus, it's already daytime. We're coming in, and we're done for the day. But they said, because you're, you're the teacher, you're the man, we'll, we'll put it out one more time. The nets are full of fish. You can read the story in Luke chapter 5. And, when, and they realized that even the fish in the sea listened to Jesus. And when that happened, look at what verse 8 says. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at the, at the knees of Jesus and said, Go away from me, Lord, I am a sinful man. There was a sense that when Peter understood who he was dealing with, there was a sense of fear and terror because Peter recognized the authority that Jesus had. And so did the demons in the story in Mark chapter 1. The people were amazed, but, but the demons, they responded with terror. Let's look at it, verse 27. And they were all amazed, and they questioned among themselves, what is this, a new teaching with authority? You encircle that as well. He commands even the demons, even the unclean spirits, to and they obey him. And at that once, his fame spread throughout the surrounding region. What I want you to see here is that Jesus has all authority. 
Now, I'm going to ask you a question. Do you believe in demons? And you don't have to answer out loud, but you may want to ask that question to your neighbors, your family members. It's a good conversation at Thanksgiving table. Oh, yeah, that'll, that'll be a good one. But no matter what, what side you're on, whether you believe or you don't believe, your belief or your absence of belief does not change the truth of God's word that there is a devil. And according to 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he is seeking people to devour. He hates your guts. And he's got demons. He's got fallen angels that are working to accomplish his strategy and to me, the application for us really goes back to Ephesians 4.27 that we, as God's people, I'm assuming that most of you have given your heart to the Lord, do, we should not give the devil even a foothold. And what that means is that even in the little areas of our lives, we need to have our guard up. Because the enemy, the Satan himself and his de demons who are working on his behalf, they are tricky. They are subtle. They'll come to you and keep you isolated from other believers and say, ah, you can do it on your own. You don't need other people. You don't need to be in a small group. Or they'll try to indoctrinate you in some way or another, saying, did God really say that in Scripture? Uh, did God really? Just like Adam and Eve, he does the same things. The devil can sneak into our lives through the types of things we allow in our, the movies we watch, the books we read, the music we listen to. And I'm just telling you, there's a sense, a real sense, that even believers will play with fire and play with demonic activity. We'll watch movies about vampires and werewolves and dark things and the occult and witchcraft. And I just want you to know that the spirit world is real. And what I've always lived by is, yes, we don't want to give the enemy, Satan, more credit than he deserves. I don't believe that Satan is under every rock or around every turn. But we don't want to avoid him either. And we need to be careful because the truth is, is that demons are real. Demons are real. Let me just let that sink in. Demons are real. But after that sinks in, you need to know this as well. That Jesus Christ is real as well. And so is his power. Jesus has all authority. Amen? You've got to know that. And in the Gospel of Mark here, it sets the stage. It's crystal clear. All of Jesus' power is displayed. And he casts out the demons. And the great thing is, is that we, as God's people, those that would say, yes, we've given our hearts to Jesus, we get to tap into that same power, that same authority that Jesus tapped into himself, into the Father. And so just turn with me to Mark chapter 3. I want you to see a couple things. He, Jesus is calling his 12 apostles here still. And in verse 14 and 15, it says he appointed the 12 so that they might be with him. He, he said, hey, be with me, be close to me. It's all about the presence of God in our lives. And he, that they might send out so that they could preach. 
And look what verse 15 says as well. And have authority, the same exact word that Jesus, they were describing Jesus, and having authority to cast out demons. We, as God's representatives, have the authority to take control and to cast out demons. Flip with me a couple more uh, uh, pages uh, to, to page 34 in your copy of God's Word here. Uh, Mark chapter 6, verse 7. This is about a year after Jesus started gathering his disciples with him. A year from Mark's, the beginning of Mark's story. And it says, and he called, this is Jesus, he called the twelve and began to send them out two by two, and he gave them what? Authority. Look at that. Over the unclean spirits, over demons, over the unclean spirits. And the same can be said of us. Jesus gives you and me authority. We are Christ's ambassadors. Amen? And we can declare the gospel with authority. We can bring hope into the situations that we're going to face this week. This week is Thanksgiving, and many of you will be with family that don't know Jesus. You can bring a message of hope. You can bring authority over the enemy's attacks over your family's lives. And it's Christmas right around the corner. And through the Christmas to Remember series, we're going to talk about hope. We're going to talk about love, talk about peace, and talk about joy. And this is what I envision happening and I want you to be a part of this, is that we are going to make the demons tremble. Amen? We are going to take authority, and we are going to walk in confidence, and with God's help, we are going to kick the devil in the face. I love what Romans chapter 1, verse 6 says. It says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power, the authority of God unto salvation, right? For everyone who believes. And when we declare the gospel message, when we share what God's doing in our lives, it, to our family, to our co-workers, this Thanksgiving, this Christmas season, we will see demons flee. I grew up in the day when we sang a song, uh, and, it, and I, I didn't sing it first service. You're just going to get the bonus here. I had, didn't have the guts to sing it first service, but I'm just going to belt it out. You guys, and if you know it, you can sing along with me, all right? Some of you young folks, you're not going to know this song, but it goes like this. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, demons will have... Oh, I'm saying the wrong words. What? Oh, we have the victory in the name of Jesus. In the name of, here we go. Demons will have to flee. Tell me who can stand. I don't know. I can't remember the rest of the words. <laughs> Shoot. That's why I didn't want to do it first service. Anyway, I remember, though. It's the name of Jesus. Demons have to flee. We can take authority in Jesus' name. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you have given us your authority to trample on Satan's face, to kick him in the teeth, 
And Lord, that we have victory in your name, in the name of Jesus. And Lord, I pray that in these next few moments, Lord, that we would just bring ourselves to a point where nothing else would matter, that we would deal with all of the footholds, all the strongholds. Lord, we'd cast those things out. We'd speak to the enemy, and we would, we would be victorious, that we would live free. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. As we close today, I want everyone to stand right where you are. I want you to know that just like Jesus walked into the synagogue there in Capernaum over 2,000 years ago, Jesus is here, right here in our midst. And I want you to know that if the enemy has a stronghold in your life, if there's something that's holding you back, something that's tormenting you, something that's uh, an addiction or something that is uh, causing depression or suicidal thoughts or a spirit of lying or a spirit of greed or a spirit of, of uh, you know, theft, you do not have to take that. You can claim Jesus' authority over that situation. And the way you do that is by stepping into the presence of God. And it's in His presence that demons have to flee. They cannot coexist. And so we say, Jesus, have your way in this place. Touch us, Lord yours. If you don't know the Lord today, if you're away from God, He's calling you. That Romans 1.6 says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God unto salvation for anyone who believes. If you believe in Jesus, you put your faith in Him, you confess your sin, He is faithful and just to forgive you. He cleanses you from all unrighteousness. And He takes that demonic activity and he takes it as far as the east is from the west. He gets rid of it. It's the power of salvation. We want to offer that to you today. If you're here today, you say, man, I, I need the Lord to touch me. I need to commit. You say, there's nothing else more important than the presence of God in my life. We're going to sing this song to kind of close. We introduced this song last week, so for some of you it's brand new. Today, last week it was new for everybody. This song talks about the presence of God in our lives. And it says that at one point that there's nothing else, nothing else will do. I just want you. It's taking care, taking authority over the other things in our lives that would, would distract us, that would pull us down. Saying, God, all I want is your presence. And I just want you to know, as we sing this song as a closing time, and I know we're going a little longer than we normally do, but as we take some time, we want, I want you to know the altars are open. And I promise you, if you come forward, there will be someone there that's going to just come alongside you, pray with you, encourage you, because that's the way the body works. I just want you to know. But we want to close with this confession. This song is a song of confession. And so let's do that. Let's go ahead and go. Hallelujah. Lord, I pray that in these next few moments, God, that you would do your mighty work.
God, that you would move in this place. God, that you would have your way. Capture our hearts as we sing this song to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing this together. Hallelujah. Jesus has all authority. And where does Jesus reside? Inside of each and every one of us. And so that means you have the authority to kick the enemy in the face, to trample him. And this season, I believe that that's exactly what we are called to do as believers here on the lakeshore. This Thanksgiving is going to be different because of the spiritual conversations that you're going to have and you're going to take authority in your family. Your friends at school, your co-workers, the people that you hang out with at the club, they are going to know the power of Jesus because of the boldness that you are going to exude in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. And so I want to just pray a prayer of, of blessing over you, of authority to release you, that when we walk out of these doors, we are entering into Satan's territory. We just, it, it's just the truth. But we take the presence of God and we can pierce the darkness in by Jesus' name. Father, I pray over each and every person here. Lord, I pray that you'd pour out your power, pour out your presence. Give us the boldness to understand who we are in Christ. Give us the boldness to speak up and, Lord, to bring your gospel message. Lord, I pray that Romans 6, 1, or 1, 6, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power, it's the authority of God. Lord, help us, God, over these next several weeks before the end of 2019 to Bring your gospel to the lakeshore like it's never been before. That there will be people that will know you and spend an eternity with you because we took authority over the works of darkness. And God, I pray for those families that are struggling right now where the enemy is snuck in and there's a stronghold God, I pray against those strongholds. I just declare that Jesus, you are the victory, like we sang earlier. Jesus, you're the one in control. And Satan has to flee. And God, I pray that even over the most difficult situation. God, I pray right now for the young person that is contemplating uh, self-harm. I pray right now for the one that is considering stealing or lying or cheating. I come against the, the, the husband. We just come against the authority that, that has got the hold of a husband here that's considering a walking away from his family. And Jesus, I just declare victory in that home right here, right now. Holy Spirit, we speak to the darkness. It has to go in Jesus' name. For the men in this room that are struggling with pornography, you can speak to those demons and say, it has to go in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. 
we have the victory. In Jesus' name, demons have to flee. Tell me, who can stand against us? No, no, no. Not when Jesus is on our side. Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd move in and out of our families. And God, that you'd give us strength and give us your authority to face whatever comes our way. We declare it. We declare it in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this week's message from the Gateway Church. If you'd like to find out more about our church, such as service times, giving, and ways to get connected, visit us at thegateway.church.